Music. Entertainment. Forces Life. The Forces Station. This is Team Talk. Hello and welcome to Team Talk, the show that's all about Forces families. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jill. And we're dedicating the next 30 minutes to Forces Life. On the show today, we'll be having some more family time with another Forces family. This time, we're heading to Portsmouth with Verity to learn all about her military journey. And we get some expert advice from someone in the know on some of the topics that are raised. This week's little victory comes from Izzy. She has had a lot going on in the last 12 months. She's taken a SATs, she's moved to secondary school, she spent a lot of time in hospital, and now there's the lockdown. Luckily, she is doing so well. We'll hear her story later. We'll also hear the second part of my interview with Mark Billy Billingham, MBE, former SAS soldier and now co-host of the hit TV show SAS Who Dares Wins. He's today speaking from experienced guests. And as always, our Team Talk soundtrack is picked by military children and young people from around the forces world. In other words, if you're from a forces family, you've come to the right place. Team Talk is the show all about you. As always, we like to kick off with some family time. A few months back before the lockdown started, Charlie and Louise headed to Portsmouth. BFBS. Team Talk. This is my station. This is the Forces Station. Hello and welcome to Family Time. If you don't know me, my name is Louise and I'm the founder of the charity Little Troopers. I'm loving meeting so many families on Family Time, hearing about the stories, the journeys and what makes us military families. And today we're in Portsmouth with the lovely Verity and I'm so excited to be here with Charlie for this interview. Thank you so much. Verity, welcome to Family Time and thanks for joining us today. Start by telling us how your military life started. Um, well, I kind of went into the military life really no, not aware of what <laughs> what it entailed at all. I went on a holiday to Ayanapa, completely out of season with a couple of friends and literally the rest is history. I mes- met my husband in a bar there and yeah. So <laughs> he no was idea. in the military <laughs> serving yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in, Cyprus. in Cyprus. So yeah, my husband was over there, stationed over in Cyprus for a few years. He'd already done a couple of years there and we met and yeah, we met on a night out. I just thought it was a normal, normal, not that they're not normal in the army, but you know how it is. Um, yeah, I just thought it's a group, big group of guys. I thought, oh, they're on a big stag do or something. Had no idea about the area or anything. So holiday romance but it moved yep. quite quickly very quickly yeah we don't do things by halves in the cooper household <laughs> <laughs> so we met in the i think it was the march we were engaged within three months and then three months yes yeah it was a complete whirlwind well how come the urgency <laughs> I don't know. He was pretty adamant that's what he wanted. There is quite an age gap with us as well. There's a 10-year age gap. So oh, really? I'm actually 10 years older than him. Really? <laughs> go, girl. So, yeah, cougar. <laughs> so, so you're 10 he, years older than him, yeah. but he was the one that was sort of saying, let's get married. He's the, the homeboy that kind of wants 2.4 children, all that kind of thing. Whereas I was the party girl, career orientated, all that, even when he met me. And it just happened to be a clash of, right, actually, okay right people right time kind of thing yeah so you were in your whirlwind and you did decide to marry um but obviously like you say that means that you were then 
living abroad. Yes. It's just How so... was it then? How was that initial <sighs> flight, that initial landing, seeing your first military house? It kind of hit me as soon as we did get there. So we got there late one day and then the next day it was like, all right, sun's up. He's going back to work very soon and you are there on your own. No friends, no family, just kind of thrown into it and it in was, a foreign country. Yeah, yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> so you were there, you were in Cyprus nine months. Yeah. Nice bit of sunshine. Then you got posted back to the UK. And then it was pretty much a little trooper came along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, yeah, we came back. Um, we ended up living nearer to my family, which was great. I, again, because I was still very career minded, I was like, I'm going to come back to the UK and do something for myself. And it kind of didn't, yeah, um, ended up getting pregnant. And yeah, <laughs> we've now got Eva. And um, who's now one, isn't she's she? She's now one, yes. She's just turned one. Yeah. So your husband did deploy, didn't he, not that long ago? Yes, while yeah. Eva was still quite little, you're yeah. in the UK, the military life is still quite um, new, I suppose. Um, how was that? Did did you find that difficult? Was it hard for your well-being? Yeah, so I, my husband went away for a couple of months when Eva was three months old. Um, and I'd suffered, I'd been really poorly when I'd given birth. And then afterwards, um, I got sepsis. I won't bore you with all the gory details, but got sepsis during labour and it took a long time to get over it. I was really, really poorly. And that affected my mental health as well because it's not just a physical thing. And obviously the one person that you want there, your husband, who's like being there through everything with you, gets kind of taken away for work or they only get two weeks. Um, and a week of that, when I did first have Eva, was spent in hospital. So adjusting at home, I only had a week with him. And, you know, it's it's crazy when I look back and think how far we've come in the last year in her first year of life. And he actually only, we worked it out because um, he went away again um, for five months. So over the Christmas period, he missed all of her first Christmas and everything. And... Um, Sorry, I guess. <laughs> no, it is really, really difficult. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think we worked out he's actually only seen her for the first six months of her life. <laughs> Sorry. Going. <laughs> Sorry. No, you don't have to be. Sorry, it's really, really difficult. My husband was in Iraq on my daughter's first Christmas and it's really, really difficult that they will, you can't get that back, no. you can't, and it's difficult for you to go through it. It's difficult you don't your child won't them, have that memory. Yeah. I completely get it. And looking after yourself, you've you've been really honest about your mental health and your well-being. What help have you actively sought for that? You know, have you got a group of friends? Have you have you spoken to anybody else? You know, how how are you going to look after you? So I ha I'll be completely honest with you. I had a bit of a breakdown a couple of weeks ago, and I did feel like at my lowest. Where he'd come back, and it had been all great, and he was helping out and doing everything, which is amazing. And but then I felt like my only job so to speak or role of being a mum and cleaning the house and doing all them kind of things that had also been taken away so I felt like I had nothing so I felt really lost and I I didn't want to like it was hard to explain to him because obviously he wants to come back and be a dad do everything but that for me was I felt like he was taking everything away if that makes sense um so it was just so, like complete loss of your identity completely what, like, what, what do I do who here? I was, what I was doing anything so I did reach out um I did I spoke to the health visitor um, and just said, look, is there anything? Because I'm still struggling with the birth stuff and they, uh, I'm still actively speaking to them, um, which is great. I spoke to Safa as well as a local lady. Um, she was lovely, really calm and cool, calm, collected, kind of. You, sometimes you just need to speak to someone and just get it off your chest and off your shoulders. And then 
even speaking about it, it can kind of solve a lot. And you think, oh, actually, I can just you get out of my pyjamas and get on with, yeah, yeah, get on with my day lighter. now. Yeah, I don't mind washing my hair and putting some makeup on. <laughs> so, Verity, we love having you on Family Time. We like to end all of our sessions with three questions that we've asked all of our lovely guests. The first one, I think I probably know the answer to this. What's been your favourite posting to date? Oh, gosh. Uh, probably... Cotsmore when we were there so when we first came back from Cyprus so a lot of people think it would be Cyprus because of the sun and all the rest of it I was going with the sun option really? sorry <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> um I loved Cottesmore because I felt like I was a bit more myself again with work going back to work and being back in the UK and being able to go and do your shop in one shop rather than kind of going around all over trying to find things so <laughs> our second question is have you got one piece of advice that you could share with another forces family I think be really open and honest with each other I can't stress that enough me and my husband are completely open with each other to the point people are like Are you actually telling each other or doing that and blow <laughs> you know and they're like what but it's the best way to be because if you're not and you don't kind of keep in touch with each other's emotions and things you just are kind of going to tread on eggshells and never understand each other and it is a completely different life to what anyone has ever known really isn't it um so you have to yeah keep in touch with each other's um emotions and be open and honest with each other yeah and finally what's your favorite memory of your military journey so far Oh, uh, probably getting our dog, actually, a blue. We've got a little chihuahua and we bought her in Cyprus. And I always say if it wasn't for her, I probably would have got a flight back to the UK. So she's like our glue of our family. She kept everything together when times were hard at the start of our marriage in Cyprus, everything. She's just a gem. She's amazing. So she's the best thing that came out of Cyprus. Verity, I've absolutely loved meeting you. Um, it has been so lovely to chat. Thank you so much for being part of Family Time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Hi, my name is Chloe. I'm 12 years old and I live in Canada. It's going down. I'm yelling to my My favourite song is Timber by Pitbull. I first heard it when I moved to Canada and I love it because it reminds me of my old friends and a dance we did together. It puts me in a happy mood because it's an upbeat song. This is BFBS Team Talk. The Forces Station. 12-year-old Chloe picking today's first song that serves me, Timber by Pitbull. If you want to reach out to share your song that serves me, or just say hello, you can email us, teamtalk at bfbs.com. 
It's not always easy being married to someone in the military for so many reasons. Life can be unpredictable and challenging with deployments and postings. In family time, Verity talked about how she's always open and honest with her husband about how she's feeling. For couples who are struggling, though, with communication, one solution can be relationship counselling. I've been getting some advice from someone in the know. Chris Leahy is a senior social work practitioner in British Forces Cyprus. When it gets to the point whereby there is sort of distance growing and you realise that you're not kind of addressing issues or the relationship, the sort of contentment in the relationship has got to a point where you think, actually, nobody's having any fun here. You know, emotionally, you feel kind of knackered and you can't find ways to talk between yourself, maybe because there's been resentment that's built up so much, you just, you know, you can't bear to bring yourself to discuss it. Or when you do start to discuss it, you're kind of picking holes in each other and you just end up going around in circles in a very sort of familiar pattern with often both of you ending up feeling quite hurt by that. I, you know, I don't have a magic wand as a relationship counsellor, but I can be that third person in the room who can maybe ask questions in a certain way and help people to maybe think through some of the things that have happened in their relationship and maybe help them look at things from a different perspective so that they can kind of reevaluate um, and just and just press pause really. When your other half's in the armed forces or both of you are serving, you're going to have to spend some time apart. It's just the nature of the job and separation can have a negative effect on your relationship if you haven't managed expectations around communication. One person in a relationship might like some kind of like daily emails, some daily updates, some daily texts. And the other person may be just completely shattered by their working day, not want to talk about their working day. And just have in their mind, actually, what I'm going to do is just check in at the end of the week and just give you a bit of a briefing about the whole week. So you kind of have to come backwards and start to think about, OK, look, actually, before we do this, before you go there or before this separation or this training course happens, hey, let's think about how we're going to communicate, because these are some of the things I like in the way that you communicate. When you, when you just touch base with me daily, that really helps me out, know where you're at and what's going on for you. you know, but when I don't hear from you for days and then I then start to worry about what's happening and I start to think that maybe you're not valuing me or you're valuing the relationship and then I start to get anxious and I start to send you more messages. Chris has a simple tip for keeping your relationship healthy and it only takes five minutes a day. You and your partner just carve out five minutes, maybe before you watch your favourite TV programme or you know, once you've put the kids to bed. Just somebody making a cup of tea, five minutes. How are we doing today? You know, it's a chance for you to listen to your partner. Um, not, not to problem solve, you know, not to give them all the answers to things you, you think they may be looking for, but just to say, how was your day? How are things going? How are we doing? And those are often opportunities to talk about, you know, if you've got children, to talk about your children's development. I mean, in terms of how the kids doing today, you know, what have you noticed about them this week? Or, and it's a chance also just to, you know, give yourself a bit of self-praise and to give your partner some praise or some, some backup on a particular issue. And it's just those little connections you know, where you feel like you and your partner are talking or your relationship is in, a, is in a good place, you're communicating, rather than meeting sort of fire with fire, trying to come in with a, with a sort of a softer approach. The Forces Station. Team Talk. Great advice from Chris Leahy, who works as a relationship counsellor in British Forces Cyprus. Relationships take work, especially military ones, probably now even more so than ever. And it's such sound advice to make sure that we're all checking in with our partners and all our loved ones as much as we can. Here on Team Talk, we like to celebrate each week the success of our forces, children and young people who are taking on all the challenges that military life may throw at them and still coming out on top. 
When you're in year six at primary school, getting ready to take your SATs and make that big move to secondary school, the last thing you need is to start feeling poorly and end up in hospital having all sorts of tests. But that's exactly what happened to 11-year-old Isabel, who was diagnosed with a very rare inflammatory disease. I was planning to visit her at home in Plymouth, but the lockdown put a stop to that. Instead, we had a chat over Skype with her mum, Antonia. Izzy told me what she's been up to since the school's closed. We have been doing a lot of home learning, which is not fun. I don't get to see my friends at all. I like chasing the chickens around the garden. <laughs> Izzy is obsessed, obsessed with, them. with them. She just loves them. We've got Mabel, who's white, Princess Leia, who is brown, and Lavender, who is grey. You moved up to secondary school in September, and that hasn't been easy, has it? I can't begin to explain to you, Jill, the transition from junior school to senior school with a disease like this. She started senior school on a really high dose of steroids. One of the side effects is something called Cushing syndrome, which is where your face swells and you gain steroidal weight. And she just didn't look like herself. Because I was quite self-conscious and didn't really feel... You had low self-confidence. Yeah, I absolutely hated it because I had no friends at all. You know, kids can be unkind. Getting called the names at first, it was like, it hurt a lot and I'd come home crying from school. Recently, I've got quite a lot of very good friends and my friends care about me getting called names. I'm so glad that you've made some good friends and you're still smiling. Antonia, a lot's happened in the last year. It was the day last March when you first realised that Izzy wasn't well. So what happened? We'd been swimming and gone to the beach and had this like really lovely day. And she just said, I just didn't feel right. And she couldn't really tell us what it was, but it was just, there was just this underlying sense that she wasn't herself. As mum said, I just didn't feel right. I didn't really know what was going on. She stopped eating. She didn't have the energy to get out of bed in the mornings. And we took her to the doctor who referred her to Derriford, um, to the paediatric unit up there. And they were great, but they just couldn't pinpoint what was up with her. I'd go to doctors and hospital for tests and stuff, still not what was going on. And then I'd get told to go out the room and then hear stuff about leukaemia, cancer and stuff like that. I have to confess that this was around the time that SATS tests were being taken and it was all quite stressful at school anyway. Doctors were saying we can't find anything wrong with her. So I was just thinking, well, for God's sake as well, you know, pull yourself together. It was basically a process of elimination and, and an amazing team of doctors at Derriford. She finally got diagnosed. I went to Bristol Children's Hospital where I spent two weeks. We had our own room, which was really nice. Yes. It was like a giant ensuite hotel. And a bath. And a bath beds. and a shower and a bed for Izzy and a pull-down bed for me. And it was all very... You're sort of made to feel very comfortable and very protected, actually, at Bristol. The nurses were so nice. It was a good experience during a scary time, if that makes sense. Antonio, you must be so proud of her. Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> we are. We're, we're terribly proud of her. I mean, her resilience and strength through all of this has been unbelievable really she's a she's a very special little girl you know she's been so strong and so brave throughout the whole thing rarely complains um you know she just picks up and gets on with it and she's still you know she's never not been great fun to have around and a good sense of humour. So, you know, me and her dad, we are terribly proud of her. She's she's just great. Izzy, you've done so well. How are you feeling now? I feel better than I have in age. <laughs> 
Hello, my name is Wesley Brunch. I'm 18 years old and I live in Canada. Let's dance in style, let's dance for a while. Heaven can wait, we're only watching the skies. Hoping for the best, but expecting the worst. Are you gonna drop the bomb or not? My favorite song is Forever Young by Jay-Z. Let us die young or let us live forever. We don't have the power, but we never say never. Sitting in a sand pit, life is a short trip. The music's for the sad man. it was at an outdoor pool. It puts me in a relaxed mood as it reminds me of living in Germany. Just let it run. Slamming Bentley doors, hopping out of Porsches, popping up on Forbes, this gorgeous. Hold up. Daughter lost, they be talking. I be talking more, they nauseous. Hold up. I'll be here forever. You know I'm on my fault. I ain't with foreclosure. I will never forfeit. Best the four bars. Google bring the car in. Did you get the picture yet? I'm painting you a portrait of young. Forever young. I wanna be forever young. Forever. Do you really want to live forever? Forever. Forever. The Forces Station. This is Team Talk. Wesley in Canada picking his song that serves me, Forever Young, by Jay-Z. And well done again to Izzy for being this week's little victory. I'm so pleased that you're getting the right treatment so that you can feel well and that you've learned not to listen to those bullies. It's no wonder that your parents are so proud and they nominated you for a special award, Little Trooper of the Month. And of course, you got it. The charity Little Troopers was founded by Louise, who joins us every week for family time. And she felt it was important to celebrate the achievements of Forces children who've been brave and inspirational. The monthly winner receives a special prize, a certificate and a medal. Nominations are made by unit welfare officers and community development workers, as well as schools, nurseries and parents. So, if you know a child who deserves that recognition, fill in the form on littletroopers.net. Now each week on Team Talk, we hear from someone who can speak from experience, a celebrity or public figure who came from a forces background and has gone on to do extraordinary things. Here's part two of Charlie's chat with Mark Billy. Billiam MBE. He's a former para who badged into the SAS and now of course he's co-host of the hit TV show SAS Who Dares Wins. Two reasons really. One, I always want to prove myself. One of these people, I don't want to sit back and talk about it and go, I bet I could have done that. I actually want to know if I could do it. And so that was one reason. I wanted to know if I could firstly do it. And secondly, a lot of my friends had gone there. And although they didn't share the stories of operations, I knew they they were doing good stuff. And the parachute regiment was doing great stuff at the time as well. It's operational stuff we were doing. But I just knew there was something different. There's that mysterious side to it. And I thought, I want to go for this. And I knew big numbers went for it and very few got in. And I thought, I want to be one of those few numbers. So I did selection in... uh, one of 92, the, the winter selection. I think it was 183 or 283. I can't remember the exact figures that started. And again, that lucky number, seven of us finished. So let me take you back to your military career as we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know what's the hardest terrain you've had to operate in and why. We know your jungle warfare trained as well. Was it the yeah. jungle that tested you the most? 
The jungle tested me on selection. That was the hardest. SAS selection is the jungle, without a shadow of a doubt. And the reason that is, I'd already been to the jungle with the Paris as a young kid, and I've been back three or four times since before I did selection. So I thought I knew it. It was totally different when I did it with the SAS. So it was horrendous, mentally and physically. It was just like doing the mountains again inside the jungle, carrying more weight, more sort of responsibility. And it was very, very difficult. But in terms of the hardest terrain I've ever worked in, I would say the Arctic. The Arctic is totally unforgiving. If you get it wrong in the Arctic, badly wrong, you will die. No two ways about it. The desert is difficult, of course, burning and it's hot and all the rest of it, but you can survive a lot longer than at minus 40 degrees. If you get exposure, you're going down, especially if you're lost, you're on your own or separated. It's, it's totally unforgiving. The Arctic is probably the hardest environment, I would say, to work in. So we've looked at the hardest thing that you've been through mm-hmm. and the, the toughest challenge for you. What's been your favourite memory of being in the military? The people. The characters, really, they never really say this, you know, it's just, the mad, in a brilliant way. Soldiers are just fantastic, male and female, they're just great. They're just wired different to everybody else. They can find that humour in diversity and, and in the worst possible cases, and they do. You know, I've been in, in a conflict being shot at and making a cup of tea behind a rock while they're getting shot at laughing. That kind of mentality, it's just, it's just brilliant. You know, I love BFBS. As a young kid, that was my mum and dad when I first joined the battalion. No one was talking to me. So the only person I knew from the outside world, we didn't have phones, was BFBS. And I used to listen to it religiously. What's going on? Pretending you know, it was in my house. Obviously, it was covering everywhere. But what the funny story I wanted to tell you. So I joined the battalion, as I said, in Belize. And, and there were some massive characters. And this is where I realised what military people are really like. And it was just bizarre. Everybody was a character. And there was one particular character... I'll call him Mr. T. Let's just keep it simple. I won't name job. So Mr. T, we all lived in these Nissan huts, like in a half up mum. And there's like 30 of us to a hut, each platoon. Mr. T was like massive, hard as nails, great guy, great soldier, but mad as a fish. I lived, because I was a new boy, right next to the door. Every time everybody used to come in, my bed used to fall over. I didn't know how that happened because I was a new boy. Aww. Anyway, but Mr. T lived down the bottom end and he had all the space. He had the best fan there. And he always used to come in and put the radio on. No matter what time he came in, put the radio on full blast. And no one would tell him to turn it off. And it was always BFBS, of course. And then I remember one night, I get woke up and I look at the end of my bed and there's Mr. T shaking my bed. And he's shouting at me saying, play Del Shannon. And I'm like, what's he going on about? So he drops my bed. The radio's on and he storms out. Now, BFBS had their own little hut down the end of the camp. So we're all laughing, going, where's he gone now? And we're listening to the radio. And all of a sudden on the radio, you heard, <laughs> we had a door crash. And you heard this voice going, play Del Shannon. And the poor little DJ at two o'clock in the morning is like, okay, no problem, no problem. But on the radio is my little runaway, playing away for this Mr. T, lunatic. And by the time he gets back into the room to listen to it, it finished. Oh, no. So he turns around and he's on his way back down to BFBS and we're all crying with laughter now, lying in our beds. And then you hear the door go again, but this time you heard smash, bang, wallop. And the RMPs were waiting for him. <laughs> he got arrested. But it was just that time and that moment of what these characters were like. He's such a great guy, but just absolutely mad. And we're all mad. I mean, then over that period of time, you know, you, you became a character yourself for whatever reason. But it was just a brilliant time. And that was the very first memory of BFBS, you know, and it was like my link to home. And I'll never forget it. Whenever I could link into them across the globe, I would. We'll play any tune when you need it. <laughs> <laughs> you will if Mr. T comes after you, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah. great memory though an absolutely brilliant memory so yeah thanks BFBS Billy thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on Team Talk it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and good luck with the new series 
been an absolute pleasure to speak to you guys and keep doing what you do. It's awesome. And people really do love what you do. So well done. Kick the dust up. and I live in Canada. My favourite song is Kick the Dust Up by Luke Bryan. All week long it's a farm in town They're making that money grow Tractors, plows with flashing lights Backing up a two-lane road They take one last lap around That sun up high goes down I love Kick the Dust Up because I heard it first in Ralston, where I grew up. It puts me into a pumped up mood. BFBS, the forces station. This is Team Talk. Thanks to Mark Billy Billingham, today's speaking from experienced guest. So glad to hear he's a fan of Team Talk and BFBS. We're big fans of yours too, Billy. And thanks to 10-year-old Matthew from Canada for picking today's last song that serves me, Kick the Dust Up by Luke Bryan. That's all we've got time for today here on Team Talk. We've heard another great family time with Louise from Little Troopers speaking to Verity about her military journey, which started when she met her partner. And we got some great advice from Chris Leahy, a relationship counsellor in British Forces Cyprus. We also shone the spotlight on today's little victory, Izzy. She's done a great job taking on all the challenges that life has thrown at her lately, and we've loved celebrating her achievements. Everyone at Team Talk is right behind you, Izzy, every step of the way. And finally, we heard Mark Billy Billingham, MB, former SAS soldier, TV star and self-confessed BFBS superfan in today's Speaking From Experience. Join us next week for more of the same or catch up on all the episodes. Head to bfbs.com forward slash podcasts. Team Talk is produced by TBI Media with support from the Audio Content Fund. Until next time, bye. See ya. <laughs>